All right, welcome to another Ember Weekend. I'm Jonathan Jackson. I'm Chase McCarthy. I'm Robert Jackson. And we are going to talk about Ember newsy stuff and other things. I guess before we kind of dive into the actual like, you know, meat of the stuff, we should talk about EmberConf, which was just a couple weeks ago. I think we intended when we wrote these notes, maybe even to have done this like right after EmberConf. They don't know uh, that. that. They don't unfortunately, know that. They don't know. They, they don't know. But that, that unfortunately did not happen. But uh, I do want to take a second and be kind of serious and just express some thanks for all the organizers and uh, speakers and uh, even attendees, just everybody pulling that together. Specifically, Leah, who does excellent work every time. I haven't been to a bad EmberConf. So thanks to all that. But uh, we have we have some notes here about some EmberConf regrets. Yeah. Robert, what, what do you got? I have a couple of regrets. Uh, I'm really sorry. Uh, so I, I made two fundamental mistakes this year. The first one is I did not eat one donut when I was in oh, Portland. Oh man, not dude, one, dude. Not Blue Star, you, not Voodoo. Not I one. had I had both. I had Blue Star and Voodoo. And we, I mean, we. I think Chase actually went with me to Blue Star. Obviously, I'm sorry. Obviously, Blue Stars. But oh my whoa. gosh! Oh, holy no, <laughs> no, no, whoa. no! Take it back. Jeez, play more. <laughs> no, Blue Star is obviously better. Voodoo is just like the like ah yes. Yeah, see, we can put nails it's and showy. It's, chalk it's, on it's all, it's, donuts. Yeah. Fine. It's all the sizzle, no stick. I get it. I get mm-hmm. it. I get it. Yeah. Exactly. Well, Voodoo's, exactly. Voodoo's open 24 hours. That's the big draw of Voodoo. That is a huge draw. But I, I you know, sleep the at thing night. is, I do like Voodoo. Like, it is fun. You know, you go into Voodoo and you don't know what donuts you're going to see. And you're like, wow, that's pretty cool. Like, mm, I've never gone then, to Voodoo. I've only had Voodoo oh, really? show up near me and I have Oh, yeah. So one. it's it's a pretty cool experience. People like wait in line and stuff. And it's, it's like a thing. But I will say that is offset by the fact that occasionally they have stale like Captain Crunch on donuts. And it's like, mm. I don't want to cut the roof of my mouth on Captain mm, Crunch. The Fruit Loops like, one did it, it to me. The Fruit Loops one did yeah. it to me two years ago. Mm. Nope. Mm-hmm. I literally, I had, I had blood. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> one, one more thing, one more thing about donuts. I found out that if you're trying to give somebody directions that's a local, you can just say the name of the closest donut shop and they'll know what you're talking about. Because there are other donut shops other than... Wait, there's more than just two listed. <laughs> yeah, so we were in a lift and we said, it's right next to the delicious donuts. And he's like, oh, I know exactly where that is. So like <laughs> yeah, he does. like the donut shops are landmarks in Portland. If I lived in Portland, I would know the donut shops. Yes. Like I've only visited Portland like five times now, I think, for Ember Comps. Right. But I know where at least two of the donuts places are. And may, <laughs> oh, you know what? I know where delicious donuts is too. Holy shit. Yeah, exactly. Oh, we're on something. Maybe it is like a landmark system. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, I will say I did miss screen door. Mm, and uh, I, this and year. I didn't get to Pock Pock. I meant to, and I actually stayed a couple days extra. I had some like team meetings and then I had uh, a day or two on the weekend, but never managed to make it over to Puck Puck. First year I made it to Puck Puck. This, this, this was the first year. This is the it was first great. time? Oh, man. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it was also a uh, first time at Sizzle Pie, um, though I knew I knew of Sizzle Pie. I just had never been there. It's like over near Ron Tom's. What is a Sizzle Pie? It's a pizzeria, and it is really, really good. So, question for you real quick. Does it sizzle? It does, yeah. Is it a pie? I mean, it's pizza pie. That's a pizza so, yes. pie, yeah. It's a pie. Yeah. So those are the only Ember Conference. Everything else was lovely. The talks were amazing. The speakers are great. Meeting up with everybody is, it's always a really cool experience just getting to. I always struggle. Like, I try to meet as many people at, that both I know and don't know, haven't met before, but like I know them on GitHub or, or yeah. they come up and talk to me. I love that so much about the conference experience. And I really dig this like single track and that gives you the maximum uh, coverage of ability to like meet new people. I always feel bad because I'm sure at the end, I always like, ah, there was this one person I didn't get to see or whatever, but it's always such an awesome, awesome experience. Totally. Yeah, I totally agree. 
once again, thanks to all the organizers and the uh, crew that makes that uh, possible. I will say, just as a side note, I mentioned, uh, or you mentioned multi-track. I'm pretty sure, if I recall correctly, there's only ever been one multi-track Ember conference. Mm-hmm. Is that true? Yeah. Or am so. I? Yep, yep. Okay, okay. So I just wanted to clarify that because I like thought about it. It's like, have we had more than one? Yeah. So basically, the problem is, I really hate making choices. <laughs> so I'm very, very happy to go. It increases to that cognitive yeah. drain. Uh, like it's so bad. And you're always worried you pick the wrong one. But there shouldn't yeah. be any wrong talks. All the talks are great, right? So. You get that Embercom FOMO if there's multi-tracks. Mm-hmm. That last time that happened, or the only time this happened, I was sitting on the far right side, which is where the partition is between the talks. And no lie, Eric Brin is standing with the door open right in the middle of the partition watching both talks watching both at talks. the same time <laughs> because he couldn't decide. That's great. That's yep, so good. Exactly. That's so good. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, so let's uh, just dive in uh, from here and we're going to start off uh, with some Octane stuff. Okay, so our first topic now is going to be Octane. It was talked a lot about in uh, Emberconf and everybody's got questions about it. We've talked about it a lot here, but we're going to go a little bit deeper. Yeah, so there's a few things uh, like the elephant in the room here is Hey, we released the preview at EmberConf uh, during the keynote. So, which is great. I think that's good. Yeah. Yeah. The company I work for uh, created an Octane app that ran like the schedule app, like we did at 201 uh, the year previous. And converting all the stuff from the promise land <laughs> uh, from 2018 to the Octane reality of 2019 was a really interesting and fun experience. Like a lot of like changing over to JavaScript classes and stuff. It was really cool. Yeah. Yeah. The progress we made like in the last, if you look back, we've been working on these things for m- many, many months, probably a couple mm-hmm. of years, right? Like yeah. over the, like it's a slow, like steady ramp to get to the features, right? We had to f- do lots of stuff, lots of groundwork that seemed like we were just like wandering in the forest for a while. And finally, we have a thing that, uh, yeah. Have, that have you ever use. seen that, that gif? It's a Malcolm in the Middle uh, episode where the guy who plays Walter Wright, I forget his name uh, off the top of my head. He, he walks over and he notices that a, a light bulb is out. So he's like, oh, I got to change the light bulb. And then he goes to where the light bulbs are. And he's like, oh, well, the light bulbs aren't there. He, he notices that the the drawer where the light bulbs normally are is broken. So he's like, oh, well, I have to get new screws for the for the drawer. So he goes to the hardware store, get new screws. And anyways, it, it ends up devolving. He keeps on finding a task to do the thing. And then someone comes in finally at the end. I think it's the mother in the in the show. And she's like, what are you doing? <laughs> you just need to change the light bulb. He's like, what do you think I'm doing? And he's like, under the car or something. <laughs> but that, that reminds me a lot of like, you know, what it takes to build something like where Octane is at. It's like you encounter problems here and you're like, oh, well, that means we need to change this thing. And you kind mm-hmm. of go off from that. And then so on and so on and so on. You just keep on finding new areas you have to explore. And I think finally, the Octane is kind of popping the stack a little bit, which yep. seems really good. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, so, so I like to phrase it as an endurance test in yak shaving. <laughs> it's like the ultra marathons of yak shaving. Exactly, exactly. I mean, the, the <laughs> thing that I really dig about the Octane work that uh, that we we did and leading up to uh, EmberConf, and of course, it's still, it's just a preview, right? So we still got a decent amount of work left and polish and docs and guys and stuff. But it's that, we tried to make it really, really focused on the user experience. So, like, mm. there is actually guides. There's actually, like, an intro, like, a migration guide you thing, like, that explains all the new concepts and how you should think about it. Like, if you knew Ember, you can read this thing and basically understand all the new concepts, right? There's, totally. like, the API docs inline in the source are, like, show both, like, say, for example, classic curly invocation and... Uh, new angle bracket style and like things like decorators, same thing. Like all of that stuff that takes a lot of effort, but that's what's going to make it successful in the end is that, yeah. hey, 
isn't just an afterthought. It isn't just some random feature somebody made overnight one time. It's like a thing that was thought through and worked on and, and polished and put together, right? That's what's really totally. great. The thing that we have on our notes for, for this section of Octane, we're going to talk more about other things that are on the horizon for things in Octane. But uh, this video, it actually got released before EmberConf by Gavin Joyce about working with Octane. It was like basically an Octane preview. And we're going to link to that in our show notes, but it was really, really excellent. I don't know if that's already out of date because it seems no, to be no, that... It's like pretty close, pretty good. I really, really enjoyed it. I loved, uh, you know, thanks to Gavin for putting it together. It was super awesome to see before yeah. EmberConf and see like how, like his takes on things and uh, teaching folks. Absolutely. It's like a, what, 20 something minute video. So it's not too long. Yeah. Totally worth your time to... But not, but not too insubstantial. Not like, oh, here's the thing and like mention it in passing. Like, oh, you can do this thing. And then just like he would dive into it. Like uh, I ran into a situation where I didn't really know how uh, like actions because at the time I was converting the app, the action decorator didn't work. Um, and he outlines how to do like actions in Octane. I was like, oh, I guess that makes a lot of sense because I thought you were going to use the action decorator, which now you can actually. But anyways, it's actually surprisingly more in-depth than you may think at first. Yeah. It's great. Absolutely excellent distillation of, of knowledge. Yeah, and, and this is just an example of the result of having a better polished thing and having put all the effort in. And yeah. Gavin, like, had been, was, probably worked on this for many, many hours, right? Like, it takes a long time to produce something like this, right? Mm-hmm. Finding the information, what goes in it, what is, like, above-the-fold features, for example, and what's, like, just, like, yeah, also ran features, right? Figuring that all out. That stuff, uh, that's really good. And it's also really awesome to see from a, like a, as a core team member, it's really awesome to see what other people think are important. Like what's important to them? Like he, Gavin like works on apps. So like he has a totally different perspective on a number of topics than, than what I do. But like, it's still really awesome to see that and get that feedback. So so that's, that's totally. exactly what the preview period is for. Like get people to test it, preview it, let us know. Like find rough edges and we'll polish them down. Mm-hmm. And also like what things still don't work quite right. And when do you have to break out of the new mental model, right? So all, all of that stuff, that, that's great, great feedback. Yeah, totally. And I couldn't recommend this video enough. Um, like I said, it, it did get released before EmberConf. So you probably have already seen this pop up in your feed and Twitter feed and stuff. But I think it's still worth a, a watch if you haven't given it a chance yet, just because it does really cover a lot of the, the concepts in Octane. So the next thing we're going to talk about is uh, something you might have heard uh, EmberConf mentioned a couple times, and that's Embroider. Robert Jackson already explained to us what embroider was. Uh, it is uh, the craft of decorating fabric uh, <laughs> or materials using a needle to apply thread oh, or yarn. Exactly. You're so exactly. you're so you're so eager well, to use, look up things threads. in Wikipedia. No, it does use threads, <laughs> and and you might use yarn. We already have yarn. Oh wow! You don't have to use yarn. You then, don't have so. to, but you might. That is optional. But it's pretty funny might. though. You might. Okay, so this kind of came up randomly in our note taking session before recording this, and I've kind of been like loosely following this for a while now. I mean, I want to say it's over six months, maybe eight months old, something like that. And I know for a fact that my first inclination was to think that it was designed to replace Ember CLI. So Robert, could you maybe explain to me why it is not replacing Ember CLI? That's correct. It does not replace Ember CLI. It plugs into it, right? <laughs> Ember, Ember CLI. Okay. So Ember CLI is many things. Ember CLI has the ability to provide commands and blueprints and just a general infrastructure to like install add-ons and discover add-ons and operate at that level. One thing that Ember CLI does is provide a build pipeline that's used by Ember apps. We could totally, and we have long planned to extract that build pipeline into a standalone package that you could use. That way you could version it and you can like say, I want version one or two or three of the build pipeline. Maybe you have different needs or maybe we change it over time. 
But the build pipeline part of Ember CLI, while it's really, really important, and it's what makes it so that the Ember new out-of-the-box experience is just like a, you have a fully functional, well-rounded application, but it's just one little part, right? So what happens here is that the embroider essentially fits in and you'll make some small tweaks to your Ember CLI build file. And instead of requiring from Ember CLI slash lib slash broccoli, you'll require from at embroider slash whatever. And that's the main thing, right? So instead of like returning using Ember's inter- Ember CLI's internal build pipeline, it provides its own. Okay, so does that necessitate interaction with Ember CLI? Or is Embroider like uh, an Ember official project? Maybe. Was it necessary for Ember CLI to change internal like build thing? Because like the assumption, I think early on, was that Ember CLI would do the building. And I feel like to get it to the point where you can have a plug and play kind of building tool wouldn't require Ember CLI work. So is this like, I guess I'm just trying to figure out like where Embroider stacks up in the Ember ecosystem. In Ember CLI, there's the the builder itself and the builder functionality. But in the end, all that cares about is whether from your Ember CLI build file, if you return any arbitrary broccoli tree, it will build it, right? That part, that's still going to be part of Ember CLI. That's, that's a long-term part, right? Mm-hmm. The part okay. of how you figure out what that broccoli tree is that you return, that's the piece where Embroider plugs in, right? So if you imagine in sometime in the future, you'll Ember new Foo and look at the Ember CLI build file and you'll see instead of new Ember app, open paren, whatever, you'll see it require from Embroider and return like an invocation of some function from Embroider. Uh, that's the idea, okay. right? It was made as a separate standalone project because uh, it started out kind of like a Skunksworks kind of thing. Like, is this possible? Right. Is this a thing we can do? Yeah, like, yeah. We're not sure. But from uh, like a really high level, the other question I get all the time is, oh, does this replace Broccoli? The answer is no, it doesn't replace Broccoli. Embroider still leverages the Broccoli build pipeline to do its work, and Broccoli's awesome. Get on board. Yeah, Broccoli's awesome, uh, and I, I think we should maybe do a little side shout out to an Ember Map video, which was free at some point, although I'm not sure if they do time release things, on Broccoli, and it discusses like how Broccoli leverages like internal file system caching and stuff like that, and is very fast and very smart and efficient, but obviously it is a low-level kind of thing. Yeah. So I, I do have a question, though. I'm sorry to keep interrupting you on this, but what does embroidery do? Well, you embroider. mean aside from thread and yarn and like fabric, right? Not that part. Yeah, Not that kind of embroidery. Yeah. Okay. What does it do? Like in code, what what is it when you plug it in and I do the new thing and we we configure our build pipeline to use embroider rather than the built-in stuff from Ember CLI? What are we gaining from that? Basically, embroider is a three-stage system. The first stage is, actually, before we talk about stages, Embroider also proposes a new spec for publishing add-ons. So, to date, the way we publish add-ons is very emergent and designed as we go, and we added loads of hooks and lots of different things, and what the full, like, ah, if you have an add-on folder, it does this thing, and if you have an add-on test support folder, it does that thing, and test support does some other thing, right? All those folders sort of just evolved as we added those sorts of concepts, because when we started, the whole thing was like a moonshot. Like the whole thing was like imaginary, like, oh, wouldn't it be great if we could have this pluggable system? So Embroider rethinks how that should work. For example, it defines a spec and the spec says, when you publish to NPM, don't care how you keep it in your repo, but when you publish to NPM, you should have your files in this structure and this is how that works. You don't really get access to the same sort of hooks that you get in Ember CLI today because for the most part, we, you know, we don't think that all of those hooks are the right abstraction. For the vast majority of add-ons, they provide code in the add-on folder that you import from from the add-on's name. 
that all will continue to work. That doesn't have to break or change or anything. Mm-hmm. The embroider spec basically just makes it much more concrete where things go, how you publish them, and what they do. So the first stage in the embroider system is taking all of the existing add-ons and basically polyfilling them up to the embroider spec, right? So it takes, if you have any add-on, and maybe there's bugs, but the plan is every add-on should be able to be upgraded to work with, with embroider. And it basically migrates from the current thing, which we're calling the V1 add-on spec, to the embroider spec, which is like V2. That spec will eventually be an RFC. As we continue, right. we're still iterating, but there's a spec.mark.md file in the repo, and you should totally mm-hmm. read it. It's great. But the idea is that that spec file will become an RFC at some point. But anyways, so stage one is upgrade all your existing non-embroider add-ons, non-V2 add-ons to embroider, like the embroider spec version. Stage two... And this, this is all in a given build, right? Yes. Like these are stages yeah, that it yeah. goes through. Now, now, stage one can be done. You can kind of quote-unquote pre-cook. You can imagine doing this once, uh, like after you uh, yarn and add something or NPM install something. You just do it once because it's it's a one once and done thing. It's a one shot sort of pre build, if you will, because it's just upgrading things. And as long as you upgrade them and you you save the new V two version, you don't have to redo that every time. Right. I see. But then the second stage basically says, okay, now I have all these V two add ons. I know where everything is. I know where it all lives. How do I take it from the Ember idioms and like Emberisms and make it just like a normal conventions based JavaScript app output? Right? So that's what stage two does. It literally takes all the things you can imagine, like all of the add-ons and the application code, and like it compiles out, quote-unquote, all of the Ember stuff into terms that normal JavaScript tooling can understand. Things like imports and deals with CSS and wires together the add-on stuff. And that's what it does. That's its whole job. So at the end of stage two, you have something you could feed to a webpack or a parcel or a roll-up or whatever shiny new tool that exists. What does that look like? What does that uh, that end product look like? I know you gave me a few examples there, but uh, not having a tremendous amount of experience using Webpack, what would Webpack need to consume? Like, what kind of normalization is happening? Basically, the, the high-level thing is that things like Parcel and Webpack want to take an entry point, and they want to walk the entry point and figure out how to bundle things. So, so the I entry see. point yes. in this case might be like yes. an index.html, and that has totally. a couple of script tags in it. Yeah. And then it'll figure out, oh, okay, I'll I'll take these script tags and I'll follow yeah. them. And those have imports and I'll like yeah. tree shake and bundle and code split and do all this stuff. I was doing this manually uh, for rollup, like providing an entry point for yes. rollup. Yeah, exactly. And, and it, that involved custom work there as well. So it's basically like doing the custom work for you. Yeah, so the idea is take out the emberisms. Like, like, for example, it's aware of how the DI system works. It's aware of how templates get compiled, right? Like, like a, right. an yeah, average yeah. thing is not going to know totally. what that means, right? So we have to take these HBS files, turn it into like a JS module or whatever, right? That, that kind of stuff. Yeah. And then the third stage is like, okay, now I have this quote-unquote standard output. Let's actually package it. Let's do a final packaging step and emit the thing that you're familiar with as dist, right? That includes like fingerprinting and concatenation yeah. and mm-hmm. all of that jazz, right? That's what the stage three is about. Now, today, Embroider is using as the third stage, it's using Webpack. However, it's very, very important to us and in general that the whole point, it's not like we're foisting a giant Webpack config on you. We're just saying we happen to be using Webpack to do this work because it's actually good and it's well-supported and all this stuff. And uh, trying to hide the complexity of getting just the right config tweaks and stuff and do the right thing for you. That's the idea. That's the dream, right? 
um, which is effectively the same as what we tried to do with the current build pipeline. Like that, like right, no yeah. one really knew what to do, and we like slowly figured out oh, how do you deploy single page apps? Right. How does this work over time? Yeah, totally. So I guess my my question then is, if the end result is something that Webpack is being used to work, does that mean that you'll be able to interop more easily with Webpack, like other ecosystem tools, basically? Because I feel like the Webpack part could also be plugged in with Rollup or something like that. But yeah. like Rollup has plugins mm-hmm. that let you do stuff. And, and Parcel, I could like, Parcel is the same way, yes. So changing to using Embroider, would that allow us to do a lot more fancy things with other ecosystems, like more interop? The idea is stage two, emitting a quote-unquote standard, JS standard thing, lets you do swap the st- third stage thing with any arbitrary tool that understands that quote-unquote JS standard, right? That's the whole point. And that's why things like Webpack and Parcel can kind of just like take an app, like in HTML and like emit a ready-for-production app, right? That's the important bit, right? right. Now, we are going to custom-write the Webpack config that works really well for Ember apps. That's the point. That's what we're doing. But in theory, you could probably opt out of the third stage packaging and do your own thing and drop down and drop down a layer, if you will. I don't think, at least not right now, um, I don't think we're talking about exposing to the app level the ability to just do your own Webpack config. That's what I was wondering is eventually it's going to be pulled out. So I don't think it is impossible. I'm not saying it's never going to happen. That may be fine. I do think that it's very unlikely for add-ons to feel comfortable doing it because, yeah, exactly. because the whole point is it's, it's an abstraction layer, right? So we don't want, add-ons shouldn't make assumptions about the host app they're in and whether they're using whatever version, Webpack, Rollup, Parcel, some Flubarb, who knows, right. some new thing. Yeah, right? yeah, absolutely. Like whatever. Mm-hmm. Yep. So as we see things that were, are missing APIs, like, ah, maybe we want to do a really nice CSS blocks integration or SaaS integration or some other thing, we can either leverage like a standard Webpack plugin and and do the stuff, or we can figure out how to expose an API that lets it be somewhat agnostic still. And it might work with any arbitrary third stage, like final packaging solution, but isn't directly using their config and directly using their stuff. Definitely. Super interesting. The last thing I I will say about this is, well, I guess there's two things. So first, um, (laughs) it mostly works. Like you can use Embroider in a like a new app today, like a, a quote unquote simple app. There's a number of edge cases, like things like engines don't quite work yet. So there's some some stuff to be worked out. But it does work and you can test and you can start reporting issues and stuff. There's uh, info in the readme about how to try it out, adding the DAP, updating your Ember CLI build file, and there you go. The other thing is that we're already able to experiment with things like route-based code splitting. We'll include a link in the in the notes, but there's a PR that uh, Ed Faulkner, who's one of the ones primarily working on this, put together uh, against emberobserver.com, which is an Ember app, also an awesome website. And what it does is it just, like, with a couple of tweaks to the Ember CLI build file, it makes the Ember, the Ember Observer use Embroider and use code splitting based on the route hierarchy. And that means that the bundles are lazily loaded when you go into, like, a code search or about page or whatever sub-route. Cool. Does it use the import with the parens, like, in parenthetical import? Uh, no, I believe it's using a custom... It's basically using the router to absorb the async to fetch the bundle. Ooh, you, you can use dynamic fancy. import. That is a thing it supports natively, but that's unrelated to route-based code splitting, right? Huh. You get this route-based code splitting just by being in Ember app, just by using the router because oh, cool. the router absorbs async already. You don't have to change any of your app code to do it. Wow, that's really cool. So did this work evolve out of the stuff that Edward Faulkner was doing with auto-import? Because it sounds kind of similar. I believe that auto-import was trying to address some of the same problems. Like, for example... You want to import 
any NPM package and you don't want to have to have a custom wrapping shim add-on, right? So that's why auto-import came to exist. And I think auto-import also uses Webpack and it does uses Webpack to do this exact thing, but it totally abstracts it so you don't have to see it and you don't have to deal with it. Mm-hmm. And that does predate this. Absolutely, they were influenced by each other, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah, I totally get that same vibe. This is really cool. I do remember seeing the experimental route-based code splitting thing pop up on the Discord announcement channel. And it was like, this is extremely experimental. So like Embroider is... I mean, the whole thing is experimental, right? So if you add well, an experimental feature... Embroider seems feature, less experimental than this... This seems like... Uh, when you add an experimental feature to an experimental thing, it's like double experimental. Yeah. It's like experimental yes. squared, basically. I was about to say, it like, it like ramps up. There's like a curve. <laughs> it sounds great. The promise of this sounds really good. But is this something that is going to be supported by an Ember team? Like an official Ember team? I think ultimately the Ember CLI team will absorb. Ed's been joining and is uh, participating in all the Ember CLI team meetings. Like he was at the face-to-face uh, recently. I think having it be under its own org is useful to, like like I said, it started at Skunk's work, so sure. it was important to, to get going there. But uh, but I think ultimately it's under the guys. It's like a normal Ember CLI thing. It probably will stay where it is because it's, you know, moving things and uh, is difficult. And at least it's a, a name you can like search for. So it kind of works nicely. Totally. Yeah, I mean, you can also find the Wikipedia entry and learn about actual embroidery if you wanted to. There's some really cool pictures. I saw a fly mask that uh, looks really, really rad. I still don't know what a fly mask is. It's like what you put on a horse to to keep the flies from, like, pestering their faces and eyes. Oh, I see. I see now. Okay, that makes sense. Come on, man. Okay, now I see it. Come on, man. Yeah, so definitely check out Embroider. We'll post links uh, to all the stuff we discussed on the website and in the show notes. So be sure to check it out and follow along because uh, this is likely going to be something that really opens up a lot of potential for Ember apps. So check it out. All right, so that's all we have for this week. Uh, Stay tuned next week. We already have a whole bunch more stuff to talk about. And of course, it's about Ember Octane. We like time box, so we were intending to cover more stuff. And we already have that stuff. They let me talk, so all time boxes go out the window. (laughs) That's what happened. No time boxing. There is no time box. And you can't put Rob in a box, you know? Yes, exactly. All right, so that's all we have for this week. See you next week. I'm Chase McCarthy. I'm Jonathan Jackson. And I'm Robert Jackson. Bye. Bye.